Welcome to the Break New Ground podcast. My name is Luis Prado, a.k.a. B-Boy El Prad. And today we have a very special guest with us here. We have Seas97, Jordan, my personal friend, and the host of I Want All the Smoke Volume 1, a jam that's coming out in early January. Um, before we get started, before you can start speaking, I want to just give a big shout out to my girlfriend, Janelle, for giving us better audio. Um, for those of you that weren't aware, we had a low-end microphone to start off the podcast, and we took a month-long hiatus to recover ourselves and to uh, make merch, uh, most importantly, and uh, now we're back. We're back with better audio, with a new guest, and uh, just a, a better drive to start 2019. So, Jordan, hey, thank you so much for being on the podcast, man. Welcome. Yo, thanks for having me, bro. Um, shout out to Break NG and shout out to Janelle as well. Thank you for all having me today. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a minute because um, I've I told you from the very start when I barely started this project that you were someone that I wanted to have on, and uh, things just lined up correctly because you took this initiative to start your own jam, and then you were like, "Hey man, like let's collaborate, let's make this happen," and this is really important because I've been hosting jams too. And I really wanted to have the opportunity to, like, share experiences with someone. Mm -hmm. And you're about to start. Like, you're about to deliver your, your first introductory event to the scene. Um, how are you feeling right now? Yeah, so definitely right now, you know, um, I've definitely been working on changing my role in the community. And, you know, starting by introducing my jam to the community. And that's why, you know, I reached out to a lot of people who have thrown jams yourself. You know, we've had a lot of in-depth conversations. Donovan, Panda, some of the Funk Force Raw guys. Mm. And definitely, you know, this is just a big step. And it's a lot of work, but, you know, I'm really excited to showcase what I have to offer for the community. That's good. That's good. And it's really good that you say you want to change your role because a lot of the times the way we start off is just competitive b-boys, you know? And I think that leads us to the main introductory question of every episode. Who is Seas97 and what do you describe what you, how do you describe what you do as an artist? So what's up? My name is Jordan C, also known as Seas97. I represent Yarm and the Wanders. Um, myself, Seas97 is basically an acronym for what I believe to be the most important aspects of breaking, which is style, energy, and attitude since 97, which is also a play on my last name. Uh, as an artist, recently, you know, I started and I was very competitive based chasing, you know, my first win, which I finally got this year. Though I realize, you know, that's not everything to the community right. and the part of the dance. So yeah. that's why now I've been trying to, you know, further myself as an artist and my role in the community by throwing a jam. As well as, you know, my girlfriend is an artist as well. She introduced me to photography, uh, graphic design, and, you know, um, my time in the fashion industry as well. Um, you know, I worked in three t uh, retail for three years. Yes. So definitely that gave me a lot of inspiration. And now using the experiences I've had in my life, I try to, you know, further my approach as an artist and as a dancer. Yeah, I mean, uh, the, everything you just mentioned, it's like, we, you and I have big similarities. Like, you worked retail too. Do you feel comfortable saying where you worked? Yeah, yeah, no, that's fine, yeah. So Zara, right? <laughs> yeah, I worked at Zara. Um, which, honestly, Zara is pretty tight. It's way better than, oh man, I'm not going to shit on my employer, but I worked, for, I, worked on, I worked at Kohl's, and um, it was an experience. And you learn a lot from retail, honestly. Like, you learn patience, you learn how to fold clothes, and that helps you out, like, with anything. But it's so much different from being an artist. Because, I mean, retail, you listen, you listen to someone. You have a boss. Um, when you're an artist, you kind of listen to yourself, and you have to take your own initiative to push projects like these forward. You know, break NG, clothing events, podcasting. Um, and that's so much different from being a competitive artist. Um, and you've, you've been a competitor for, one, for a long time. And you actually, fun fact, I guess, I didn't know that this was your first win this year. That happened in this studio, right? 
Yeah, so um, my first one was in Arizona, and oh, then my okay. first Cali one was in, uh, you know, right here in... <laughs> first Cali one, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah so uh, for those of you that don't know, for those of you that don't really keep up with the scene, Jordan won the 1v1 footwork battle that we had here at Force and Finesse 1.5 in, at Good Vibe Tribe, for those of you that are watching on video here in this little space. Um, but you've been, you've been a, a b-boy for a long time, and you and I have kind of shared experiences coming up, and... Um, we're kind of in the same boat, I feel, and, and that's why it's so easy for me to share ideas with you, because we can relate. Um, how did you get into breaking? Because it's different for everybody, you know? Yeah, definitely. So for myself, uh, my uncles were actually b-boys back in the 80s, so mm. I was exposed to breaking at a young age, though the competitive aspect started a lot later in high school when, um, you know, there was a breaking club at my school, and then, you know, of course you start you know, with your friends and like, oh, let's yeah. join and learn. And then, um, you know, with only like a couple months of breaking, we went to a jam and we just got demolished, you know. <laughs> but it was through that, um, really tested who was here to stay and who not. Right. Because after, you know, taking that loss, you know, it really uh, fueled a fire in myself. Like, you know, I want to go home and acquire new skills. I want to practice and test myself and come back better. And through that, you know, I had a good, um, a good environment around me of a lot of like-minded people who wanted, you know, to just practice and practice and practice with the time we had at the time. And, you know, through that, then that's when I just became fell in love more with the dance. So is that how Yarm came to be? Yeah, that is how Yarm came to be. Uh, Yarm, we may not be active so much anymore, you know, just through life and stuff, but definitely the catalyst as well is uh, my old crewmate. He had a garage, which was a really good place to practice. Mm, yeah. And then, um, you know, one of us was older, you know, shout out to Murrow, he just drove us everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> so through, you know, just um, having Murrow be that big brother figure and then that space, uh, we all got close, you know, on and off the floor. You brought up a good point where, like, you do come up with certain people and you do like start growing as dancers with a certain amount of people and um, specific people, you know, usually your friends, people you meet in high school. Um, what is it like to transition from uh, a crew setting, a group mentality, wanting to grow together to sometimes having to just grow on your own? Yeah, that's a, that's a really good question. So definitely I would say um, the epiphany came for me right after high school, which was basically, you know, um, not like the fall of yarn, but you know, like the uh, when you know life starts to hit and people's yeah. priorities are all, all different. And you know, I found myself still wanting to break, so that's when um, just I just started driving to far places, um, you know, out to OC, out to LA, and like driving farther places just to practice as well, even if it was an hour away, an hour and a half. Right. And then um, you know, practicing by myself more. And at first, you know, it was hard because usually. Um, people are used to or reliant on other people's energy and such like yeah. oh like you know hype it up hype it up or let's drill it let's drill it or let's have fun but when you're alone you know you may get tired and stuff so that's when you have to start using your practice more efficiently and that's why even um this year i traveled to um the east coast and i traveled to asia uh you know tokyo and seoul this, this weekend i mean this year and i saw just how people differently practice in their different approaches whereas like uh, in korea they're very like uniform and they're like structured and like they devote even down to the hour as well as like Japan, they have like creativity time and mm -hmm. such. But uh, even then they have like a group setting and sometimes a 1v1 setting. Mm. So it's good that you mentioned that because different cultures, different areas do things differently. And um, I have never been outside of the United States or outside of North America. So I don't, I don't really know what it's like for like Eastern countries to be, or how they practice, how they are, how their, how their jams are, what the culture is like over there. But um, here, you definitely can tell the difference between people who practice really hard and, and like devote their time to their craft and people who are just kind of in it for, for fun. I mean, not that we're yeah. not in it for fun, but there's people who definitely take it less seriously and kind of do things as, as a side thing, you know? Um, so for you, 
when did you decide that you wanted to pursue this competitively and pursue this more seriously as an artist, as opposed to just being someone that just attends jams every so often? Yeah, definitely. Um, so, again, in high school was the first um, was the first uh, starting of my competitive career, and then um, basically after the high school, when I was you know going through that transitional period where I was really struggling to find an environment or find my groove, uh, I kind of took. I guess you could say a mini hiatus where I was going to jams and occasionally, like you said, not to degrade people who do this for fun, right, because yeah, this exactly. is you know a self, form of self-expression. Yes. But um, you know, I wasn't really producing the results that I wanted, and you know, you get frustrated. But yeah. you have no one to blame but yourself if you don't have the results that you wanted, because you should train as hard as you want. If you want that win, then you will train, or yes. you will like properly prepare for it. You know. Very true. Very true. Um, but then that's when, uh, even then, like. You know, I was doing a lot of stuff like going to the, like raves and like partying and stuff, and you know, like all like, uh, I mean, that's all fun and stuff. But like for me, I just found that I really value dancing to such a degree that even when I was away from it, I still missed it. Right. So then that's when I finally, you know, set my foot down and was like, well, you know, the culture has proven that it has a a lot of worth to me, and I find it, you know, uh, very important. And the culture has just given me so much. So that's why, especially now, you know. I decided to change my role because, you know, I've been in the game for about six years, so, you know, I'm still starting my journey in the span of things, right. but that's why, you know, I took a lot from the community, learning how to, like, socialize, a new group of friends, and, like, maturing through the, through the, through the dance, and that's why now I feel like it's time for me to start giving back to something that has shaped me as a person. Yeah, that's, you hit it right on the head. That's exactly what happened when I decided, you know, to start throwing jams, because sometimes you realize that the people who are the common... Uh, like jam hosts of the community, they start falling off. Like life hits everybody differently and at different times, and sometimes people have to take a step back from the community, and someone else has to step up. Yeah, definitely. So it, it's funny that you were like, I realized that how much this community has given to me, that now I have to give back because that's exactly what happened with me. And then, I mean, I don't know if we're getting right into it, but I don't know if you feel the same way where you go to jams and sometimes jams are managed poorly. Sometimes there's questionable details about jams such as admission price or like I don't know just every every jam has its quirks every jam has its pros every jam has its cons but I think after going to jams for so long you've been in it six years I've been in it seven years it's like you realize what you like and what the community could use more of so for you personally what are some things that you for sure had to make a priority when hosting your event so um, first, just to start off, like how you mentioned about the, the quality of jams or like aspects of jams that you find unfavorable, whether it's yes. you know admission, uh, timeliness, uh, production, advertising. Yeah. So that's actually the inspiration why I first started to want to throw a jam because I found myself always complaining like you know the jams whack, yep. the jam you know like I could, I should have stayed home, but you know. I just think like if you're complaining so much about a problem, you should first try and put yourself in their shoes, and then that way, you know, then maybe you can start having like constructive criticism. Right. So then, you know, now like a lot of time now I'm throwing the jam like, yo, this is hard. Yeah, this it is, is hard. really hard. It's definitely but, um, hard. For, for the jam, like the key aspect I would say is the vibe, because I want to create an experience where everyone can have like a satisfied experience, whether you're a competitor, a spectator, or just an attendee who came to vibe and get down. Yeah. Because I don't want too big of an emphasis on the competition, nor too big of an emphasis on outside elements. You know? Right. And that's yeah. why like just something that everyone can have fun at, because jams, you know, breaking started from partying. Yes. So I feel like jams, you know, staying true to the essence, being like a party in which people can really enjoy themselves. Yeah, I think you pretty much nailed it again. We're, on, we're in tune here because I feel like jams should be true events, not something that you came up with and you're like, oh, I want to throw this 2v2 because I need money, whatever. And you really yeah. you just put a, a PNG picture of a breakdancer doing this 
and then you're like, this is it, this is good, and then you put where it is, whatever. You know, people need to really invest in their experience for so that people it translates. People who attend your jam can feel the quality that you put into your events, and you just like what you just mentioned right now is like really important. Jams started out as parties, and I feel like if jams like, no offense to Red Bull, no offense to Silverback or Monster-related events that are purely competitions that also happen to have ciphers. Like, everything should be a really good balance. Yeah. Um, for me personally, I have never been, like, an, uh, a serious cipher head. Um, I'm, I'm not the type to, like, save my moves for the battle, but sometimes I feel like I waste up most of my energy in ciphers, so I, whatever, wait for the battle. But um, I've also wanted to find that medium where people who enjoy ciphers can come out to my events and enjoy the ciphers. People at Spectate don't feel like it's too hip-hop for them to come in, you know? Because there's those yeah. jams that are like, if you're packed like sardines, and if you're not ciphering, you're just kind of pressed up against the wall like this. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So it, it's important to make an experience open to everybody that's coming in. Well, that's what I would say. Like, the venue is, like, a really key aspect. Yes, you know? venue is the most important part. So how has that been for you, finding a venue uh, that you, like, <laughs> envision in your dreams where you're like, this is what my jam is going to look like? Yeah, so that was actually the funny part where the venue was just <laughs> like, you know, I already announced the jam and like I yeah. made a flyer and I kind of was like already like, oh, yo, the jam's going to have this, this and this yeah. and like, you know, all these great aspects. But where was like a really big thing that was a really huge challenge because especially um, halfway through the venue search, I actually moved. So I lived in Torrance oh. and then I actually moved to um, Orange County where I reside now. Oh, okay. But um, yeah, so I kind of was like in the, in the works in my old city, like, hey, you know, like, all right, like I'll come in, um, you know, sign the contract, we'll give the money and we'll have a renter's agreement, right? Yeah. And then like, you know, like the news dropped and I moved and then that's when I was like, oh, well, like this isn't really practical for me. Yeah. And then, um, you know, I first started by hitting up a lot of the people who are present out in uh, Fullerton, like Little Rock and like, you know, some of the colleges like Irvine and Fullerton and yeah. see like, you know, where they have stuff. But then... Just uh, actually, I found it on Yelp. I, I, was, <laughs> I spent like hours on like Craigslist and like right. Pure Space and like everything. But yeah, it was just on Yelp, and I was like, you know, I'm just gonna like email them. And then, then he was actually a really cool guy. And then coincidentally, because it's at Imperial Dance Studio in Brea, and coincidentally, uh, Little Rock's gonna be teaching there as well. Okay. But yeah, he said after um, I went and checked it out, it was pretty good sized. And then again, like. One of the key things about venues is like parking. Yes. <laughs> parking is. Parking. Yeah, that's like the worst, you know? Yeah. Um, parking and then like proximity because no one wants a jam where like, you know, it's just in a building but then like there's nothing around for like 20 yeah. miles. Everybody wants to have a place to eat afterwards, a place where they could possibly drink. Uh, how about restrooms? What is that like for you? So, yeah, so the restroom, <laughs> there's one restroom, but then like it's in a plaza with like a bunch of other businesses, which oh, okay. are restrooms, liquor stores, and mm. like. Um, other things like that so yeah. you know there's a lot of places because i know b-boys will want to get like a snack or like get some water and um you know eat after eating after is like one of the biggest that's things. the biggest thing for so, a gym, yeah. i mean and then also uh one of the things that really appealed for me the venue like the parking's very fair but also there's an alleyway behind where b-boys like to chill and you know like yeah, do whatever yeah. they do you know <laughs> so like uh having just a place and that'll contribute to the kind of the chilling party aspect you know because no one wants to just stay inside and like go ham for yeah, like two hours nobody does that and, and some I some mean, people if do you do I if mean, you do like, shout yeah. out to you i mean i feel like jams oftentimes when someone starts sweating and they don't prepare adequately it stinks up the whole place and sometimes you just need some fresh air um but yeah no like you you're finding out that like throwing a jam is not as easy as just like here's a date here's what it's going to be here's my judges boom the venue is a super big important part um, Force and Finesse Volume 1 
had, I feel, one of the more memorable venues of recent times because it's a bread factory. It's a bread yeah. factory that's not used anymore. <laughs> and um, like when I came up on it, it was, uh, how, how do I put this? It was recommended to me, but the way it was presented through just like speech was like, oh yeah, it's like an art gallery space and it's not really used anymore. It's kind of run down. I don't know if you want to check it out. It's like, whatever. I checked it out. It's a bread mill that's not used anymore. Uh, and it's like, it's kind of like a warehouse. It's yeah. really big. It's maybe too big, but it leaves space for growth. Um, and the thing that I like most about it is that it feels raw. That you don't feel like you're going to a, like a super polished jam. This is not silverback where everything is like designed specifically for competitive breakers. No, this is, this is a jam where people are coming to hang out. The space doesn't really matter as long as the vibe is right. The lights were hitting the middle. We had space for vendors. Like everything is crazy like that, you know, where it all put together creates a really good formula. Speaking of vendors, what's that experience been like for you? So yeah, vendors, uh, actually, so it, this started out as well because I have um, two friends who are actually gonna come out with a line of tracksuits. Oh, wow. Yeah, they're, they're coming out with a tracksuits. That's a product right there. Yeah, it's, it's pretty dope, you know, because B-Boys and tracksuits, one in one right there. Yeah, but, um, yeah. Yeah, unfortunately, it actually won't be ready by the time of the jam. <laughs> yeah, so the, they were pretty bummed out about that. Yeah. But um, yeah, that's how we started because we know we're both upcoming people yeah. that are trying to like start something new, and they're both b boys as well. Yes. Um, but then, yeah, you know, I hit up a lot of the local people, like of course, respected forever, Destroy Toys, yes. JCBC Threads. You know, yes. shout out to all the people that are, you know, part of our community and have just been, you know supplying dope merch for people yeah yeah it's gotta stay fresh you know you gotta include every aspect of the community <laughs> but like, uh, yeah then that's why I like also too like just uh i feel like good vendors too like that's why i liked how you had the um the food vendors at your last time and then even when i went in the east coast um i went to entering shaolin which is uh thrown by del fuego Wolfpack's uh brian lim right by the or, way that title yeah. is sick yeah, Shaolin. Shaolin. yeah yeah it's super dope but uh it's cool too because uh his jam you know was really to better the community but he had a lot of stuff that which inspired me for my jam to have like an experience that everyone can enjoy because I had like a photo gallery and like oh, you know like a boba booth and stuff and then like there was a lot of businesses around so that's why like again you know stressing on like having a jam that everyone can be satisfied whether yes. you win lose or just came to watch yeah. and then going off that too um, I feel like how you present like how you were saying the venue wasn't presented to you well but when you saw it you were down yeah, so that's yeah. why like presenting your jam in a, like an effective way where everyone will be interested because there's like a lot of jams that I've seen like they'll have like $900 cash prize but then you've only seen like one Facebook post or one Instagram yeah. post yeah. and then like you know you see like someone like not that good or like okay whatever they're whack right yeah, they, yeah. they win right and yeah, like yeah. someone whack wins and you're like oh I could have won that but because yeah. the promoter didn't effectively advertise or market their jam to the to the community and the people that they're trying to reach they didn't get the turnout that it deserved you know yes especially yes. like investing so much money that dude you're, you're speaking my language right now because that's that's so true uh, me personally everything is presentation like from the way the jam looks when you get there how the way it's set up to the small aesthetics like for force and finesse volume one i didn't have to put the white tape down to outline it you know but and we didn't have to have the chalk wall where it said force and finesse. But yeah. small details like that make people like, oh, like that's really cool. Like people care about what's going on at this, at this venue. Yeah. Um, and it's really important that you say that like people don't present their jam well. Even, even if it looks cool the day of, if you're not putting up content, like constantly reminding people like, hey, this is going down this day. Like this is what you can look forward to. This is a reveal. Like here are our judges, whatever. You know, I personally always like to do like a, 
like a sequence of reveals. Yeah, yeah. It keeps people invested, you know? Um, and also, I like creative concepts. One thing that I really liked about your jam, the, the WWE promos. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that shit is so sick. Um, especially because, yeah. like, there's a lot to take from WWE that you can be inspired from as a B-boy. Um, just literally, just watch old, like, WrestleManias, whatever. Like, you can learn a lot. Um, but the way you took the, the rock promo, I, dude, I was like, this is it. Like, this, is, this gets me excited for this jam. And as someone who's like, not only as a supporter of you and what you're doing, but someone that's just going to be attending, I like someone that takes enough time to find a video clip, feel, be like, you know what, I'm confident that this is, this is a, what the feel is going to be for my jam. And you put it out. Like, that's, that's really important that a lot of promoters don't understand. Yeah, definitely. Like, that was, yeah, the rock promo was probably one of my favorites. Um, yeah. Definitely. Because, you know, the jam's called I Want All The Smoke. So yes. who wants to smoke, you know? Because, yes. like... For me, b-boying is just a uh, break, and you know, it's just one of like a really raw aspect. You know, it does get intense, you know, and sometimes it does go too far. But you know, like I want that jam, my jam to have that like raw aspect. You know, when people battle, like they show that they want it. You yes. Know? Like they yeah. want that W, or like they want you know to like prove their dominance, and that's why like, um, just like you know, having those like from the rock that everybody hates, Chris or um, I can't really recall the third one. Oh, it, oh, it's the Office. Yeah, the Office. Yeah, the Office. The office, yeah, the office. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, just having like little details like that, and that's why like. Uh, with my invites, because actually, coincidentally, I'm actually going to do, like, two reveals right after this podcast. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, you know, uh, yeah, it just hit me, like, oh, the jam's one month away. Yeah, but, um, yeah that's why, like, with the, with the invites, I wanted to just give it where um, they have, like, you know, the, the proper spotlight they deserve, like yes. an individual flyer and an individual, um, individual promo video. Yes. And um, just going off of that, too, my jam, I wanted to provide um, California with an experience that they usually can't get. So that's why most of my invites are actually from, you know, from out of town, which was, um, that's why, like, through my travels, you know, I stayed in touch with the people I met there, and I contacted them, and that's why I wanted them to come over, and that's why, like, California is such a strong scene, you know, because we always have people coming to us, but how many of us really go out and push ourselves there, so that's why by bringing, you know, them to here, maybe it'll inspire some people to travel or, you know, to get more inspiration. Um, dude, yes, because I, I feel you on that, because... People that are not from California idolize California b-boys. But since we live here, and a lot of the time we see these b-boys come out to jams, it's regular. It's like, yeah. oh, yeah, you know, Casper, I see Casper all the time. He goes to yeah, Break LA, you know? Or you name, you name it, Ryan. They're like, oh, yeah, Ryan from Bang Ring. He's, he's here. He's sick. But people from other states are like, damn, Ryan from Bang Ring is going to be at that jam? Like, I want to see this, you know? It's different because for us, high level is the norm. For some people, it's not the same at their scene. Like, it it's, does not get interesting until the final because usually it's very clear what the talent levels are. So people like to see these big names that also happen to come from California. You get a lot of b-boys that are based out of uh, L.A., further up north, the Bay Area, uh, Rocks Wright, Kid David, you know, the, the more notable names that people love to look up on, on YouTube. Um, and they're, they're the norm for us here. Yeah, I don't want to, like, drop names, but, like, I've met a couple people who, like, come from, like, other states or other countries, like, yeah, you know, I came to L.A. and thought I was going to win every jam and become famous, and, yeah. like, you know, they get knocked out in, like, top 16 or not even yep. get past prelims, and I'm just like, yeah, you know, like, welcome. You know? Well, yeah, welcome, it's <laughs> like welcome, that. you know, this is, this is how it is, but, um, uh, yeah, California, you know, I feel like our average level is just really strong because we're always, um, you know, exposed to the high level, but don't, like, you know, you can't sleep on, like, there's some people, like, you've never even heard of them, they're so nasty, like, up-and-comers are people that just don't value competitions as much as others. Like, just because you don't battle in a, in a format battle doesn't mean you're not dope. 
Like yeah. you've seen, there's a lot of people that just cipher it, and like you're like, damn, like this person could make finals top four easy yeah. if they wanted to. But some people don't value that, and that's also important. That brings us right back to the whole jam has to appeal to everybody. Like, what would make this person want to come out to my jam? Five hundred dollar prize is nothing to someone that's not going to enter the battle. Yeah. Like, you want to have a good reputation of having good ciphers, good vibe, good energy, good venue. Um, and that's so important moving yeah. forward for any jam, any project. Um, what has been the toughest challenge for you up to this point? Because it seems like you have everything ready, you're presenting it, but before the presentation comes the struggle. And what was the biggest struggle for you for this jam? So um, definitely the venue would be one, but I would say the biggest is just um, really learning how to adapt. You know, even uh, I thought about this jam I started with it for eight months, and I announced it six months in advance. And I still feel like you know, there's like it's still cutting it close. Yeah. And um, definitely just learning because I had I originally wanted like an exhi- exhibition of like SD versus LA. Oh yeah, I remember and then that, um, yeah. you know, I just kind of was like, oh dang, like you know, I'm not gonna have the timeline for that. And then yep. uh, randomly, you know, I'm actually gonna have an, a workshop right before my jam by Ad Miracles from Belgium, uh, which again, you know, bringing people from outside of our scene and just giving the knowledge, you know, because he's a dope guy, you know, he's a super he good guy, and like. When would we ever get the chance to even like learn, you know, something like that? And um, he says that he's gonna teach some aspects that he's um, that he's gonna talk about in his upcoming book, as well as share some of the knowledge. And I mean, that's why I just feel again like the challenges that I faced were just learning how to adapt, as well as just um, the timeline. The timeline is one of the things because uh, even then, like. You know, the day of the jam, you could have it planned out like, oh, I have the venue for eight hours and then like 140 people show up for your prelims and then, yeah. you know, your yeah. hour and a half prelim slot turns into four hours. Oh, you're telling me, man. Yeah. yeah. It's really hard to plan because you can have everything perfect, but you cannot control the turnout. Yeah. And that's, I think that's the scariest part. And um, like, I guess to go on a more raw side, like confidence is a big thing when throwing a jam and being able to feel like you can put out a really good event and having confidence that people will believe in your event to come out. How has that been like for you? Because it does take a lot of um, initiative, but also just general confidence in what you're putting out, the product. Yeah, okay, yeah, definitely. Um, so that was one of the things, because I actually, funny, I had the MBA idea too. Yeah. I wanted to do the <laughs> MBA idea. But, you know, my girlfriend, she was like, nah, like, I'm not feeling it. And then you actually announced your, um, your event, and she was like, see, I told you, you know, like, if you dropped it, then, like, it wouldn't have happened. And I yeah. was like, all right, yeah, you got me. But, um, so then that's when, um, you know, having someone, I, I, would, I would say that having someone to work with you on your jam really helps a lot. You know, having yeah. feedback, even how we had our little, like, back and forth. Yes. You know, just having a little bit of feedback, you know, and refining your product until you feel that you're, like, giving, like, a really quality experience to your audience. And then, you know, having the confidence. And that's why, like, I really thought, um, you know, first I thought, what are some fun experiences that I've had? And, like, you know, I really enjoy 3v3s. And yeah. then, like, again, bringing people from outside. So then what does your jam bring to the table? You know, something new. Yes. And then that's why I just, then the design, you know, just refining your design. And then, um, yeah, the, the flyer just, and the promo videos and such. And that's why, like, I felt like, you know, really giving each aspect of the jam, even something as, like, as small or like big as like the host or like the MC or like a battle invite or a judge, you know, but giving them the spotlight that each jam deserves, you know, because each part of the jam is an important part. Yes. And, and you need to treat it as such as a promoter because you don't want everything to be good, but, you know, your DJ's whack, you know, yeah. and no offense, some DJs sometimes can't feel out a, a, a jam and, and it happens and that doesn't fall on the promoter as much as the DJ, but um, 
you, you're right. You need to care about every aspect of your jam equally. And whether it's the DJ or the MC, and you, you got an MC. That was an interesting decision. What made you want to get an MC as opposed to MCing yourself? So, yeah, I wanted to... <laughs> So I was originally gonna have Dom MC, you know, uh, yeah. Dominic Holmes. But, yeah, shout out. Uh, yeah, like, it fell through. So, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, but, but uh, yeah, so I'm gonna be co emceeing with uh, Murrow. Yeah. So I mean, uh, I still feel like just having someone who's experienced in Murrow's MC some jams, like it really helps, you know, because I feel like there's a lot of dope jams that have everything right, but again, MC the master of ceremonies. Yeah. You know, directing the flow of energy, you know, making sure the time runs and making sure that the crowd reacts. Like, you know, if someone says something dope and the MC's like, oh, oh my God, like, you yeah, know, freaking wow. Out. And then like, that's when the crowd will be like, oh, you know, if he's getting hyped, you know, then they all get hyped. But you know, if the MC's dead silent, like, nice. Yeah. Then the, the crowd's going to be like, yeah. You know, like, <laughs> And there's some MCs that literally just announce like crew names. So like um Knuget and whatever, Renegades and I don't know, uh, B Boys Anonymous or something. Yeah. I don't know. No, and yeah. then the whole battle they're like Like on the flip side, I mean there is like MCs that are like, you know, like always like, Alright, he's walking up and oh, like yeah. they're like <laughs> the play he's, like, by play too, MC. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's like he's doing a little too much, but like that's why especially though, um yeah, just having like the MC, I think, is just a good MC to read the vibe. And an MC that can relate, you know? Yeah. yeah just relate to the, to the audience. Sometimes there's MCs that have never been b-boys before. And they're just, they're spectators on a mic. And I think it's better when you have someone that's been involved and someone that knows what they're watching so that they know, like, what to hype up. Like, sometimes the smallest details fly by a general spectator's face. And they'll just be like... But then an, a true MC would be like... You're like, yo, that was dope. Like, check the details. And people would be like, oh, there was details? Okay, let me, let me watch the rest of this round. Um, and you're right. Like, sometimes everything is right, except the MC is not that great. And that, this is great transition to the next... And the hiatus has definitely affected me. Great transition into the next question, which is, what do you consider an event that is a flop? Like, what would make an event be a flop in your head? So... Um... Definitely. But, wait, disclaimer, okay. no yeah. events are going to be, like, uh, name-dropped. Everybody has great quality products, but there's certain things that, as B-Boys, you can appreciate and not appreciate. So, with well, that yeah. being said, go yeah, for it. Yeah, going off of that, I mean, you know, what may be a flop to us may be, like, the best jam ever to yes, come yes. But um, going off of that, I would say, starting first was just the vibe. Because, you know, you, you need to create an experience where everyone can be, like, you know, having a satisfied experience. So if you're, like, jams not really catered to everyone, then I feel like your jam's not going to really be looked on or remembered, even if right. you have, like, the $50,000 cash prize or whatever, right? Okay, maybe I would remember $50,000. <laughs> that's <laughs> but, a lot. That's an income for the year right there. But, um, yeah, then, then um, after that, I would say uh, timeliness. No, yeah. one, no one wants to wait. No one wants to wait, like, six hours for a prelim. And then um, after that, I would say marketing and branding. Marketing, marketing and branding, branding you know, yeah. Make sure if you fail to do those in an effective manner or at least try and put effort, then I would say then your event is more likely to flop than succeed. Yes. Um, I'm just going to piggyback on that. One thing that I think is super important is flyers. Uh, there's Dropping your flyer with enough time for people to share it is important, but also the way your flyer is presented. Sometimes people will put like, like where, when, and the price, and that's it. And you're like, like, what is this? Like, who's judging? Who's the DJ? And there's like nothing on the event page. Everything just says TBA. And you're like, okay, well, it's the day before. This is all I have on the flyer. Or um, when jams are at 
when there's like drinking involved in a jam and then like something happens where you're like the next time you're like damn like this jam is kind of messy I don't know if I want to go back yeah um, there's been a few jams where that happens and, and that's that's part of the process I guess like that's the risk that you run um, another thing I think that's definitely important when considering jams as flops is um, MCs because we've talked about MCs that you know, maybe do too much play-by-play or that don't talk enough. But there's some b-boys that just sometimes don't know when to stop that I feel like, I don't know, like you can definitely affect the outcome of the way that the jam feels based on what you're saying on the mic. And there's a borderline between like hype, funny, and disrespectful. And I've been to a few jams where the, the MC has been trying to I guess, involve the crowd by having them laugh and then, like, it just comes out as disrespectful. Like, you, calling a b-boy whack while they're on the floor is, like, kind of questionable, you know what I mean? And, and for me, that, for me personally, like you said, my flop could be someone else's highlight. Um, but I definitely feel like having respect for the people that come out to your jam, that paid 12 bucks, 15 bucks, 20 bucks to get into your jam, like, that's really important, you know what yeah, I mean? Um, and then finally, I think bathroom situation, for me, like, I don't, I don't go to a jam to use the restroom, but in case I need to, I don't have to, I don't want to run to like the business right down the street because I need a pee, you know? But yeah, there's, there's a lot of things that can definitely make jams flops. Um, what do you feel like has been, I think this, it would be cool to name drop here, has been the best event. And what did that event bring that made you consider it the best event? Best event? Oh yeah. man. Um, so... I would say it's hard to like name a best event, but I guess something that's like similar to my event, I would say one of the jams that I really had a good time on, uh, which actually was one of the, the inspirations for the jam was uh, Squad Up. Oh, yeah, Squad, yeah, up. squad yeah. up. That was a really good one, yeah. Uh, squad Up is definitely just, I mean, it's only happened once, but I mean, it was like a really quality event that I like, you know, I thought was fun because even like, you know, I ended up losing pretty early in that jam, like in top 16, <laughs> but like, it was so dope still that I was like, oh, I still want to dance, and you know, like, I don't want to go home, and like, yeah. and that's why, like, after, even after the jam ended, too, people actually were like, you know, like, damn, that was really good, you yeah, know, that was like, people really were like, okay, like, let's move after and stuff, and yeah. that's what, like, to me, that was, like, one of the, one of the quality events that I look really fondly upon. When I, um, it's funny that you mentioned that jam, because whenever I talk to someone about, like, 3v3s being important, not so much as the individual skill, but how well a unit meshes together, and how they how they battled together, as opposed to like, oh, this guy can do this, this guy can do that. That jam, there was a battle, uh, Squishy Docious versus Future Force. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was like Zeku, um, Kid Damien, I don't know, their third guy's name, yeah, their homie, versus Squishy Docious, which was Danimals, uh, Darth Flava, and Gru, right? Oh, Proof, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, That battle was probably one of my favorite battles of all time, just because like, they were having fun, and they still managed to win in a battle where you would maybe consider the skill levels to be different because of the one name, side having yeah. different emphasis, you know? Um, and yeah, that, that jam was great. They had a big tree in their venue, and it just, like, people, like, worked <laughs> the around the tree, you know? Like, there's, there's memorable things like that that definitely make a great event. Um, for me personally, I don't know if you were active at the time, but there was a line of events called Break Yourself. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah I've been to one, but I went... Um to like the eighth edition when the jam was already like on the downturn yeah <laughs> in, so. in peak was like i one of my favorites would uh, break yourself three um that one was definitely hype that's where i saw stylistic kings for the first time ever uh, yeah <laughs> shout out stylistic kings 
and like it was it was hype. It was also three v three. I think jams that are three v threes happen to have like a lot of hype moments, and like that jam definitely stood out to me as being like oh, like wow. That's, that that one had Kid Jab and Lil Sin. Uh, rest in peace, Lil Sin. That was yeah, one of my favorite uh, one of my favorite exhibitions of all time. Like there's just a lot of things like that that are that will leave memories in people's heads. Um, so yeah, shout out to those events for for doing things right. Um, so every jam has a purpose, and I feel like every jam, regardless of whether the promoter make, wants it to be that way or not, ends up categorizing something. Like, oh, like, yeah, that, that jam is like a, a cypher jam, or that jam is more like for the, for the competition. Um, how do you want your jam to be remembered as? Uh, yeah, so, yeah, that was, because I looked at your questions, too, and like a lot of them, they were good questions, they made me think, but um, I would say the, for my jam right now, you know, being the first jam is like in the pop-up jam category, but I definitely want this to be a jam for the community yeah. because, um, you know, I'm not really doing it for the profit, you know, and, um, you know, some people throw this like, you know, for the money and, um, you know, for the cloud or whatever you want to say, but, <laughs> yeah. but um, no, just from, for me, I want my jam just to be remembered like fondly, like, like Squad Up or, you know, or like, yeah. like uh, some editions of Claim to Fame, you know, where people were like, oh, like, that was a dope jam, you know? Like, I had a lot of fun, you know? And, like, the battles were good, you know? Win or lose, you know? Yeah. The, the best battles are the ones that you, like, enjoy or you're pushed, you know? Yeah. Jams play the most important part in our community because they bring people together. Um, they provide job opportunities for b-boys. Like, whether you think about it or not, like, b-boys get paid to judge. B-boys get paid to win battles. Like, it gives incentive to train. And um, every jam, regardless of whether it's a quality event or, or a bad event, every jam has a place in the community. And if it's a bad event, you learn from it, and b-boys learn what they like in jams. If it's a good event, you look forward to the next one. Um, but sometimes jams have a short lifespan, sometimes jams are not serious, sometimes, sometimes jams just kind of happen, and then they just happen, and they're forgettable. As far as um, I want all the smoke, how far do you wish to take that? What is your like, long-term plan for this event? Yeah, so... Um... Uh, definitely, I would say, if this jam goes well, I'd be open to making it, you know, maybe annual or maybe like a catalyst for another line of events. And then, uh, you know, you could get UDEF involved and maybe even like uh, give like opportunities for B-Boys to win and get flown out and, you know, yeah. connect our community because just showcase breaking on a high level, you know, yeah. in, the, in the way that it deserves. But uh, as of right now, you know, I'm just trying to like first start with the, co the quality event yes. and then just have a good start because this is a lot of work. So, you know, <laughs> It's a lot of work, um, but yeah, and even coincidentally too, I tried to get like UDEF on with this one, but um, you gotta have a little bit of history first, and that's it's true though. Like I, I understand, you know, you gotta have gotta have like the good quality, you know. Yeah, yeah, and then I, not a lot of people know this, but uh, I shot my shot at Red Bull to fund oh, really? Volume One of Force and Finesse. I like I wrote like a whole master's thesis. <laughs> And like the, I went as far as like listing like the expected amount of people and like how much money I expected to make. Um, I did not get a response back, um, but that's okay. Like it's important to to aim high and then like temper your expectations based on those results. But you're right, delivering a quality product is important. And having a history, for there to be a volume one, there I mean a volume two, there has to be a good volume one, or else nobody's gonna want the sequel. You know what I mean? And um, and. We need to start off with quality products, so that's why I started continuing Force and Finesse, and I hope to see I want all the smoke just go past Volume Three. You know, just have yeah, quality yeah. events all the way through. Um, we've talked about you as a promoter, but we mentioned at the very start that you were a competitive b-boy, and you still are a competitive b-boy. Um, so personally, for you, 
all events aside, what is your inspiration for your breaking? Yeah, so definitely for me and my breaking, uh, I would say I focus a lot on the experiences that I've had in my life and like the emotions that they made me feel and I try to like transmit that to the floor. So, you know, if I'm going through something hard, I'm probably going to break like in a really aggressive way or like, yeah. you know, if I'm going through something at a higher point in my life, then, you know, I'm just going to have fun and like, you know, break in a really like, you know, just vibrant way. But um, as far as inspirations, uh, first, when I first started, uh, you know, like being like a young high school kid, you're excited for breaking, and you know, now we have YouTube, because uh, a lot of the interviews I watch too, like, you know, getting exposed to like OGs and like how they talk about like how the internet, you know, and they always say like, you know, they we didn't have that, and that's why we break the way we break, so you know, I really wanted to like try and use the internet to ven benefit me, because you know, they always emphasize we didn't have that, and you know, people say like YouTube may have ruined a lot of parts of breaking and stuff, but that's why like um, I spent like, basically like, I studied breaking, basically I would watch footage from different countries and find out the premier like local jams, the premier events of the local jams, and I would just really like look at how they attempt like a six step or attempt like a three step and how the information translates from the breaking, you know? Yeah. Because and even talking through like the people that I've met, like you know, for us we have our OGs here in the West, which is you know, like style elements and like stuff. But then in the East, they have like New York City breakers and such. Yeah. But over there, and maybe in like uh, like Taiwan, they said like they were inspired by the Japanese, and you know, Korea found out through it through like the Europeans and such. That's what they said. Um, but that's why I feel like uh, just finding the inspiration is just study. You know, the other aspects because breaking is a universal culture. Yes. And, yes. and then of course WWE and like anime and yeah. <laughs> you know stuff like that. Those are <laughs> the like. Yes, there's B-Boys for inspiration, there's the crews, there's styles that you can be inspired by, but there's so many like third-party inspirations that, like you mentioned, WWE, anime. Um, yeah. Like, for example, I do a move, uh, it's like a thumbs up, thumbs down, and uh, back when Batista was World Heavyweight <laughs> Champion on SmackDown, that's, what, that's how you knew he was turning it on. You do the thumbs up, and then the thumbs yeah. down, and then you could expect a Batista bump. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. Yeah, so stuff like that. I also have, like, a, like a footwork move where I'm just doing the DX chop it. And, like, you learn, you, like, pick up a lot of these things, and you incorporate them, because it's yeah. important to add a personality. And that brings a good, another good point. Like, I've watched you come up and, like, battle over a long period of time. And I think in the past year and a half, maybe two years, you become, like... You're, you're funny and you're you put more personality like you are aggressive you're an aggressive competitor but also you're funny you're funny dude like the one of my favorite things that you do is the like the invisible box oh god dude and it's like it's important for viewers to be like that because it makes you memorable even if you're whack like the way you set up and the way you finish a lot of people always forget what happens in the middle but if you start off like being funny if you finish off strong like that will make you memorable. And, and I think you've definitely evolved as a competitor and as a, as a b-boy to translate what you want to, what, what you want the people to feel when they're watching you. And I think that's, that's been really cool to watch in, in, in your growth. Um, and I mean, everybody else has, has their own quirks. Nobody starts, yeah. nobody starts one way and just continues the same way all the way yeah. through. You know, everybody develops at a different pace. But uh, honestly, like Jordan is one of my favorite b-boys that's local. And, and I've always tried to incorporate him in my jams and I always invite him. Because he's a pleasure to watch, honestly, as an MC, but also as a spectator. Um, this is a question that I feel like definitely I've wanted to have recorded because everybody has a different take on it. Uh, you won the footwork battles, so you definitely have um, a resume now to, to speak on. But um, what makes uh, footwork footwork? What do you define as footwork? All right, so this is just, um, you know, it's all subjective. This is my opinion. Yes, yeah, yes. my opinion. Disclaimer. Uh, for me, footwork, footwork is... Um, based on steps, you know, which, you know, is unique to our dance, and also 
I feel like footwork is defined by your form. Mm-hmm. You know, good form is good form, but you know, now a lot of people's forms look different nowadays. But there's different ways of good form, I would say. But I would say that I know that the dance is becoming, you know, a lot different and there's a lot of new aspects that we didn't have before. So like sweeps and threads. But uh, I would say like those are more acceptable if you're using them to transition to more steps. Mm-hmm. I would for me personally I try to stay off my butt and I try to stay off my back. Um, you know, just back rocks and like uh, like sweeps and stuff. That's that's different for me. So just you know, heavy emphasis on steps. And then also, um, for me, I feel like one of the more important things that I see a lot of people that are like you know practicing footwork or doing footwork nowadays, where like their their form may be on point, but like the music, the music. Like I think uh, form uh, footwork is like pretty similar to top rock if, if you really think about it, because. Um, you know, top rock is inspired by a lot of uh, other dance styles and a lot of other history, but footwork is you know really organic to us. But um, you know, what doesn't change? Like, what changes footwork? One of the things that changes footwork from being like a calisthenics or like a workout drill or something, you know, because it really is like a cardio thing. But yeah, like, um, what changes is like the music, you know. Yes. Yeah, and there's like a lot of shapes and stuff, but you know, having a strong emphasis on the music and having a strong emphasis on your form, practicing your basics, like both ways and your hooks and stuff. I mean, I need to practice this too. <laughs> right, right. Um, and, and that's a really good point because a lot of b-boys, I feel like, don't know that they could break on beat. I mean, that they could do footwork on beat because a lot of b-boys use it as a transition move. They're like, here's my power. I got to do footwork to appeal to judges, but I'm coming up with this cool freeze combination. And honestly, like, I, I'm no better than the next person because I do the same thing. Like, when I want to emphasize a concept, you can tell in my round, but most of the time it's like, here's my transition. I'm going to get into this. Um, and that's why I really look up to b-boys that have great footwork because I have not found the capacity to do it myself at that same level. And especially when you can get creative with it. Um, a lot of people like bend my mind when they're doing footwork. Like Dino Rock would be one of them. Complex. Yeah, um, complex being good, able yeah. to speak to Complex. And, and I hosted him out one day for a jam that we had down here. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. The, it was The Breakdown, Volume 3. Volume 4? I don't know. I forget that jam. It wasn't a great jam. But... Um, I hosted that jam. That's how I can say that. It was not a great jam. Um, but Complex came out, and, uh, and I got to pick his brain a little bit. He was really inspired by Japanese footwork and the intricacies oh, of that. Oh, yeah. So I was like, oh, that's interesting. And he like, really explained to me that like, when footwork comes, like, steps are important, but also having your own concepts, something that the next person couldn't do. He said everybody can do steps. But he's like, if you have something that makes your steps different than the next person, that's something that maybe would be immediately... Um, specific to you, like that makes your round that much better. Oh, definitely. Yeah, like um, that's why you know you see a lot of people that are doing new types of footwork nowadays, like yeah. like complex for one of them, like you know with those and like Severin or Sev yeah. from uh, Now or Never, you know doing those a lot of like thread steps and like yes. these like you know kind of like unique freezes that are like in the footwork round, you know, just like the Canadian Northwest scene. Yeah, and then you know the East Coast keeping it alive with the you know the raw steps. Um, Japan, you know, just crazy concepts. And Japan is full chasing. of concepts. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, yeah. You know, Russia, like Eastern Europe in general. But um, yeah, definitely, I would say it's now, like footwork, it's more broad than it is ever before. You know? Yes. Because that's I mean, why the question exists: What do you consider footwork? Because everybody thinks it's something different. Um, but yeah, yeah, that, like it was really important to touch on this question real quick, um, and then I think that's a really solid place to end. But before we end, every single podcast, I ask people the same question. Um, for you specifically, if you could give any piece of advice for someone that's about to throw their first jam or that's considering throwing a jam, what would it be? Oh, yeah, that's a plan ahead. Yeah, plan, <laughs> plan ahead. ahead. Yeah. But um, 
definitely, you know, what we've been talking about this whole podcast, just have a good emphasis on your market, like on your market, like think about who you're doing this for and like take steps to make sure that this reaches the audience in an effective way, as well as just um, treat the people that are involved with your jam like well, you know, yes. I feel like sometimes, you know, like they'll have people judge and stuff and then like, they're not, like you know, they're not treating them that well and stuff, but um, I would say, yeah, just good marketing and make sure that you know you create an experience you know don't like focus on one aspect of your jam and as you told me too like have a team that can help you yeah like, this is not something you can do like alone as much as you think like how easy it is like you know I've like my girlfriend and like all the people I've had back and forth uh, you know shout out to you know El Prad, uh, Donovan and like Fun Force Raw and all of them and um, yeah just like really just reach out to your network and they'll help you yeah that's just right before go quick point have a team um, and uh, after Force of Finesse 1.5, I had told Janelle, which is my girlfriend, I told her, like, you were half this jam. Because, like, yeah, I could host it. Yeah, I could be on the mic. I could make sure that things run smoothly. But so much of the setup and, like, making sure that things came out the right way and, like, being on top of also getting people out, she was very strong-voiced when it came to Force of Finesse Volume 1 and we needed to push people out of the building. Um, and actually for that jam... Nobody helped clean up. Everybody left. Everybody dipped. And it was just uh, me and Janelle all the way through for like two hours after the jam to make sure everything was good. So having a team is really important. Yeah, and um, treating everybody that's part of the jam with good respect and also treating them like they're important. Like, I chose you to be a judge for a reason, and I'm going to treat you that way, you know? Like, that I really want you to be here. Um, before we go, do you have any plugs? Oh, plugs. Um, yeah, so first, you know, shout out to my girlfriend. Yes. My girlfriend actually is like the one who's responsible for the flyer, you know? Oh, she, yeah, she, yeah. She's graphic like really design. skilled with like, graphic design and stuff. So yeah, shout out to my girlfriend. Um, as well as, you know, shout out to my crews. Shout out to my crews. Shout out to BreakNG and BYL Pride and, you know, the extended family for having me on and giving me this opportunity. And then um, just a quick shout out to, you know, people who really like helped me in my, in my breaking career, you know, Merle, uh, Zick, and... Uh, yeah, you know, just shout out to the community. Yes. It's not possible without you guys, so let's Literally, yeah. Um, that's, that's a really good place to end. And uh, shout out to everybody listening. Thank you for uh, surviving through the hiatus. We're back and we're coming strong. We have quality audio now. Um, much love to, to my girlfriend for that one. And uh, listen to this podcast in the next part of the podcast, which is the Inquiry Intermission. We have Jordan answering a few select questions that are not breaking related. And uh, it'll be interesting to see how that goes. So thank you for listening to the Break New Ground podcast. And as always, keep breaking new ground. All right, peace.